0: Welcome to Ethics and the Naval Warrior. I'm Michael Sears, your host. My guest today is a physicist, a former computer simulation expert, and a former Air Force officer. He is currently an associate professor of philosophy at the Naval Academy, as well as a fellow at the Stockdale Center. Welcome, Dr. Marcus Hedal.
1: Thanks. Thanks. Uh, it's great to be here. Uh, I'm as, of the preferred indifference. Getting a chance to talk about stoicism is, is one of the highest ones.
0: That's something that I want to talk about a lot in terms of stoicism and being a stoic. Let's let's jump right into it. What does it mean to be obsessed with future happiness?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think that I think that most people are, in fact, obsessed with future happiness, even though they don't recognize it. And I think what it is 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 to take what is good as to get what you want, right? Uh, and mm-hmm. that's so embedded in our culture and our way of seeing the world, that to even question that, to even say that to do the excellent thing is good, even if it doesn't, to a desire uh, is is so contrary to our assumptions. The problem, though, is is that those desires multiply exponentially. The Stoics talk about this. Modern philosophers call it the hedonistic treadmill, right? You just Mm -hmm. keep having more and more desires. And the Stoics say, you know, after you have a desire for a shoe, you want a gilded shoe. After you have a desire for a robe, you want purple robe. After you have a desire for food, you want relish, right? And I think it's really interesting... The Stoics speak to us today, but if we look at their examples for luxuries, right, purple clothing, literally relish, which comes free with every 99 cent big bite, right, um, or, or gilded shoes or even shoes, right, um, we start to see, yeah, our desires do end up multiplying exponentially and we're never going to be satisfied um, with that kind of life. We're always going to be a greyhound chasing that rabbit that we'll never catch.
0: But do you have to stick with a stoic life or lifestyle? I mean, there, there are other ideas out there. And I don't know if I have to pick a certain school. There are different schools of philosophy.
1: Absolutely. And I think they all have something to teach us, right? Um, I certainly think that reading from different philosophies, uh, I'm a big fan of the, the skeptics, right, who tell us that looking for the perfect vacation or uh, the perfect mattress is corrosive to your happiness right? A lot of fear of missing out or FOMO is just thinking that there's a perfect way to spend the weekend, right? Um, and, and and we can learn a lot from those kinds of schools. The Epicureans talk us about the importance of, of friendship and never eating alone. Um, but I think at the end of the day, you need something coherent. And whichever school of philosophy you choose or whatever religion or, or, or lifestyle, um, you need something coherent that kind of like organize your lives. Now, you're going to need to craft that and make it your own. Um, But certainly I think there's some benefit to, to finding one particular philosophy or or one way of life more compelling than another.
0: Okay. So let's say I choose the stoic way. How do you get started? What's the, is it a random walk? Is it a, do you read the old books? Do you read the news? What, what do you go? Yeah.
1: I I think the, you know, there's a lot of great stuff about stoicism. It m- might worry us a little bit that stoicism is really flourishing right now because it tends to flourish in times of great turmoil. Um, stoicism mm-hmm. originally came to the fore as Athens was kind of crumbling as a, as a democracy. Um, it was highest prominence as Rome was kind of starting to teeter. Um, and it, it, It's raised to prominence in times of kind of tribulation. Um, But there's a lot of great stuff out there. The Daily Stoic is a great place to go. Um, Just kind of looking for daily quotes. But I think at some point you need to... Dig a little bit deeper into the the classics, the way let's say Stockdale would or Mattis would. Marcus Aurelius's Meditations is a great place to start, and it's an easy place to start because they're just little nuggets, right? You can read a few a night. Seneca's letters are another great place to start. There's an excellent translation that just came out that that I think is you know because you can read one at a time there too, right? You can just read for five minutes, um, but you're getting the kind of the core meat and not the watered down bits. I think those can be really helpful to kind of get you excited about. About Stoicism, but at some point before too long, you know Seneca and Marcus are a really easy uh, entry into the into the system.
0: So when do I know when I really am a Stoic? Is there a switch that I uh, that I throw, or do I just put that hat on and I'm a Stoic? Yeah,
1: that's a great question. Um, I, I don't know if I know the answer to that, but I know what it's not, right? So it's you certainly don't become a Stoic just when you become a sage, right? When you become perfect. So you know Seneca says uh, that the sage is as frequent as the phoenix right so you know there may have been three you know you got you got cato you got socrates um but certainly as if you kind of commit to the principles of stoicism right seneca says why well, strive for progress is as a stage as as frequent as a phoenix wherein lies the difference between the progressor and the common man are both are shackled. If, if each is joyous, only a fortune smiles upon them, right? And he says that the answer is that some are less closely bound, right? Um, a person who has advanced toward the higher realm d- drags a loose chain, right? They're not free, but they're often as good as free. So I think when you become a stoic is, is when you go beyond just kind of maybe reading a little bit and saying, well, there's something here for me, right? And say, there's a lot here for me. I think when you do that, you're a Stoic. And I think one of the things that makes Stoicism so appealing is one can be a Stoic and still be other things, right? So one can be, one can find this core of one's identity, be a Marine, for example, and one can be a Stoic Marine. One can take the cores of one's identity, be it a Christian, and one can be a Stoic Christian, right? Um, one can take the core of one's identity, be a philosopher, and one can be a Stoic philosopher. Um, so I think if, I think one becomes a Stoic, probably when one goes beyond that, there's, there's a little something here for, for me, a lot of people will say that, I mean, you know, you can be Aristotelian and say there's a little something, right? You mean Epicurean, Uh, you can be a lot of things, but if you, if you say there's, there's more than just a little, I want to do more than maybe just read, uh, Marcus or Seneca, I want to get to know a little bit more and I want to try to strive for some of the ideals. You don't necessarily have to, agree with everything the Stoics say to be a Stoic. Um, But I think you need to kind of take some of their ideals as important ideals to strive towards.
0: Well, let me push you a little bit on that. Can I be a stoic during the work week and then be a cynic on the weekends?
1: Oh, I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't. Uh, that so, cynic in modern terminology means uh, something like you know, kind of uh, the jaded person. Um, cynic in, in the traditional sense is is radically different. Someone who completely uh, espouses all social norms and tries to demonstrate their corrosiveness. Um, I think that can you be a stoic in some situations and not others i think you can find it more helpful in some situations than others right um you might in some of your personal relationships find yourself less attuned to the projects but the projects of stoicism like like any kind of overarching philosophy are something that has to at least be there if at least in the background, or even if you're in a part of your life that you disagree with what the Stoics say about, maybe you're at a funeral. Um, Cato famously at the funeral of his daughter realized that this is the point where he couldn't agree with the Stoics. But I think it still has to be operating somehow if if you want to say that, that you're a Stoic, right? There are still goals that you agree with that the Stoics are after, that virtue is good, that vice is evil, and that all else is indifferent. You might add a few other things to the good or bad category, but if you're not still kind of categorizing life in, in that kind of structure and working towards excellence, then then, then I'm not sure. I think it can take... More or less prominence, and it might just kind of lay in the back like a subroutine that hasn't been activated. But it, but if it's not, if it's not there ready to be triggered in the right context, then I'm, I'm less sure that you can do that.
0: Okay, I like your answer, Stoic versus Cynic. What about a Stoic versus an Epicurean? Yeah,
1: I think that might be easier. Um, I think that you know you might say, for example, the the Epicureans say that we ought to uh, let things that we don't desire embellish our lives, right? Um, So we might not desire to have rich foods, or we might recognize that we ought to be okay, we ought to be able to be excellent and make good choices, even if we can't join in community with others the way that we might otherwise choose to all else equal. But the, the, the Epicureans would say we ought to let that embellish, our kind of happiness or our joy in a way that the Stoics are going to be less amenable to. And so I think that you can, once again, if you say you can be a Stoic without having to agree with everything dogmatically, you can definitely, if you find yourself in a period where you might differ with the official kind of party line of Stoicism, you might see those kinds of other philosophies come to the fore, right? You might think that, Getting a chance to revel with friends does embellish one's life. Um, it's not just a preferred indifference. Getting a chance to, um, but there's probably always going to be some stoic remnants there, right? Um, I think about um, my best friend from high school, his father passed away during this time. And, um, you know, Epicurus says, We want friends so they can be a comfort to us in times of trouble. And Epictetus says, uh, and Seneca say, no, it's the opposite, right? We want to have friends such that we can be excellent and, and be there for them and, and and be there for them in times of trouble. And I would say that, you know, one of the things that I've had a more difficult time being a Stoic about in this period is not being able to be there for them, right? Not being able to hop in the car and and just physically be there. Um, obviously, there are lots of things you can still do. So I think that you can... the Insights of these different philosophies will will be more prevalent at different points in your life. But always the, the other ideas, if you really are a Stoic or you really are an Epicurean, something about that philosophy is still going to be triggered in the background. The same way you might say about being a Christian or being a Buddhist, right? Um, it might not be really triggered at certain periods in your life, but it, it's always there being ready, right? It's like a subroutine running that's ready to be triggered in the right context.
0: Let's wrap this then in an idea of being a military officer, a naval officer here. You mentioned uh, Stockdale, you mentioned Mattis. I mean, how does stoicism influence not necessarily their career, but as a young person starting out in their military career?
1: Yeah, I think stoicism uh, is appealing to a lot of our students because it does really offer notions of, you know, What are you going to do when the fecal matter hits the rotating oscillating device, right? There is so much in life for everyone that we can't control. And I think current situations just drive that home. In the military, it's just even more pronounced though, right? So the question is not, what's the situation you're going to find yourself in? The question is, how are you going to react to that question? And stoicism more than any other philosophy really focuses on that. And I think there's a real appeal to military members because of that. There's a reason why Mattis would, you know, carry uh, the meditations, carry Marcus Aurelius in his, in his rucksack, right? And if you think about that, the kind of commitment that is, I mean, that's, that's weight right? Every ounce is, is, is precious. And to say, no, this is useful to me, right? Um, this is a useful reminder to me. And same thing with Stockdale. I mean, Stockdale famously said he would never get through the prison camps without stoicism. And he realizes other people got through with other things, right? It's not the only way. Um, but I think it offers, especially for people in the military, a real unique and interesting perspective that can help us with our careers.
0: Marcus, this is a great perspective on Stoicism. Appreciate you uh, taking the time today.
1: Oh, no worries. As I said, this is the most preferred of all preferred indifference.
0: Outstanding. Take care. Thanks. You've been listening to Ethics in the Naval Warrior, produced by the Boeing Leadership Innovation Lab at the Stockdale Center for Ethical Leadership. You can find more of our podcasts by visiting the Radio Stockdale page at usna.edu.